Transcripts and recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner. Welcome to Light It Up, a podcast about resilient women balancing motherhood, their careers, personal lives, and all of the challenges that come along with being a superwoman. Each week, you'll be motivated to take action to lead, inspire, transform, and empower. Now, here's your host, Dr. Regina Mashira. everybody. Welcome to another episode of Light It Up. I am your host, Dr. Ajina Mashira. I am so excited about today's episode because I have uh, a very esteemed attorney by training and mediator, uh, Kimberly A. Cook Esquire of Dovetail Mediation. Welcome to Light It Up, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and to chat. This is such a fun conversation to always have. And I love chatting with you anyway. So this works. (laughs) I'm excited for you to be here as well. I like to always be very transparent with my audience. You and I have history, which goes back to about eight years ago. You were actually my divorce attorney, a very great divorce attorney, I must say. Um, So I want to put that out there that you were my attorney during uh, what was probably a very um, stressful time during my, during my life. And um, so I wanted to have you on because now you've kind of made a little bit of a transition. Um, so before we kind of talk about what you're doing now, which is, is still all related to family yep. law, okay. um, why don't you tell the audience just a little bit uh, about yourself? Sure, sure. So, you know, and, and thank you for saying that um, I was your divorce attorney and, and you feel comfortable in sharing that um, because it's a very intimate space for people to, to be to go through a divorce and then after the divorce to, to talk about it. So, um, and, and I know how difficult that can be. So a, a little about me, I have been uh, practicing divorce and family law for gosh, about 15 years um, and worked in DC and Maryland before moving to Chicago and uh, started my practice at a small firm when I was in DC and then moved here and and worked with a larger firm. And it has always been in the divorce space. And and I've always felt comfortable in that space because I've always wanted to help people during a time of transition and really help move them from point A to point B. While divorce is not what comes to most people's mind when they're thinking about helping people transition, mm-hmm. um, it certainly kind of, I fell into it in that space. I now have, as you referenced, transitioned just a little bit. Um, I like the word transition, but mm-hmm. transition from what I call more of the advocacy role as a litigator. So in the role of representing people in court before a judge, which is what I spent my career doing, I'm now in a role as a mediator. And what that allows me to do is to work with couples um, who have either been married and are now dealing with post-decree or post-judgment issues related to finances or their children, 
or individuals who are getting ready to divorce. So wanting to figure out a way to resolve issues without relying on the court system or individuals who are in the midst of divorce and recognize that the costs and time of litigation is more than what people think it is. So, you know, many people come to me and they say, listen, we filed an issue regarding child support or regarding property allocation a year ago, Kim, and nothing has happened. And in the process of mediation, we problem solve. So we address that issue head on um, to come to an agreement and a resolution that serves the family. This has really allowed me to go back to what I started this practice, which was really to help people in a difficult situation, strategize, problem solve, and then move on with their lives. Because for so long, I started to feel like the litigation and the legal process, people were becoming stuck in the process. And, you know, listen, nobody wants to be stuck in a process that is emotionally, financially, and in some cases, physically draining. We're all ready to move on and move past things. And this allowed me to, to further work um, in a way that, that allows for that. I'm so glad that you mentioned um, just being able to move past the point of going through the divorce because I know when I was going through my divorce, I wanted it to be done as quickly as possible <laughs> because of course, like you said, it's very stressful time. And I had three young children at that time. I believe my children may have been nine and six. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. it's been eight years. Yeah. And um, one thing that I'd like to point out is that in order for you to get through this process, just like it takes two people to get married. Yes. It obviously yes, takes, it takes you to get divorced. To get divorced. For sure. For sure. So why don't we kind of start, um, I guess at, at that point. What do you do when um as as a lead litigator or a mediator, you know, you have a situation where the person comes to you saying that I want out of this marriage. Right. Right. And in the initial stage, both parties have agreed that they don't want to be in the marriage any longer, but the other party gets stuck and is not willing to participate. How do you help your client to navigate that space? You know, that's such a tough one. So I'll, I always compare it to grief, mm -hmm. right? And there are stages of grief. And so when we think about when someone gets to the point of saying, we're going to get a divorce, or this is kind of our reality. If you think of it as the death of a marriage and you think about the stages, right? So you think about anger, you think about denial, you think about you know um, these processes by which everybody has to go through at their different times. And so it's very difficult when you as the individual and said, I'm done, I'm ready to move on. I'm at the stage of acceptance. Chances are you're ready to lock things up to move into a conversation where you might, your spouse might be in the stage of denial. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times when I approach whether it's mediation or when I was advocating for a client, I would really try to pinpoint where people were. And so when clients 
were at the acceptance stage, I would have to say to them, your spouse is not there yet. So we are going to have to navigate in a way to get them there. Our conversations, how we strategize, you have to meet people where they are. One of the things that most people always think when they think about divorces, everything is contentious, everything. And I often say, but it doesn't have to be. But many times you meet somebody at the anger stage, but when you pull away the layers, there's something driving that anger. A lot of times it's fear, it's confusion, it's frustration. And so it's about how do we navigate around that anger stage so that we can actually get to the heart of what the issue is. Mm -hmm. and, and so when you approach it that way and you say, okay, how am I meeting this person or how is this person showing up? There's a better chance that you can then actually move the ball forward because now you know what you're dealing with, right? right. In, in mediation, because I'm working with both couples or excuse me, both individuals, mm -hmm. when they meet with me, I always meet with everybody individually first because I need to see where they're coming from, right? Why are you taking certain positions? Mm -hmm. What is driving the issue that can't get you to move the ball forward? And it's in that conversation with them individually that then I can oftentimes see, oh, I see, this is why we can't bridge the gap or this is why they're not hearing one another. And it's because they're at two different places in processing the divorce. And that can make all the difference. And so I think it's really about recognizing and understanding how am I showing up in this process at this time and how the other person is showing up and then you can move forward. Great answer. What, um, what advice, I guess, would you give someone who is at the stage in which they're trying to decide whether divorce is the answer or whether it's simply, um, you know, whether mediation would potentially resolve some of the issues that they have with their spouse. Have you ever had a situation where um, two individuals have come to you, um, you know, uh, uh, seeking a divorce, but um, decide that after mediation, that perhaps it's not really the best um, solution uh, to their, to their problem. Sure. So both when I was, you know, uh, litigating and now as a mediator, I see it often where a couple is just having communication issues and really whether it's marital counseling with a therapist or with their spiritual advisor or taking a step back and really assessing what's going on, that may oftentimes be what's needed versus we actually need a divorce. Communication is key. So when someone comes and says, you know, uh, my spouse and I are considering a divorce, here are our issues, here are the things that we're thinking about. Can you help us walk through things? The first thing I say, well, you know, I'm not a marriage counselor. Mm -hmm. But as a mediator, it is all about talking and communicating and trying to bridge those gaps. So tell me what issues you have 
And really the mediation process is me facilitating a difficult conversation and asking questions that either nobody wanted to ask mm -hmm. or were afraid to ask or didn't even know to ask about. And many times what reveals is, oh yeah, we actually are not fundamentally, fundamentally aligned, mm -hmm. but sometimes it becomes, huh, maybe we should have talked or maybe we should have, you know, taken a step back, you know, in this last year with COVID and everybody being in the house together, it really shined a light in many ways on cracks or strengths in a relationship because we had nowhere to go. We didn't have distractions. We didn't have business travel or happy hour or, oh, I got to get to this early meeting. We were all in the house together. And so it either became the type of environment where those things that were already fractured really broke apart because they were already there, or it aligned people and recentered them mm -hmm. back to where they were. So what I would say, if you're really thinking, huh, I think we're headed for a divorce. I'm thinking, take a step back and ask yourself, have we met with a therapist? Have we talked to our spiritual advisor? What are the issues that we're having? But I'm gonna put a caveat on that. Safety is always number one. And so there's never a reason to stay in a relationship where you are physically, emotionally, and here's the tricky one that a lot of people don't think about, financially being abused. Mm -hmm. If you were in that situation, then you do need to take the next step and you do need to figure out, okay, how do I get out of this relationship safely? Because your safety and that of your children is always the most important. I'm so glad that you brought up the financial abuse also because people do not think they about don't. that and they don't consider that at all. Um, in my situation, when I was preparing for a divorce and I say prepare, right? because I often wonder if people really prepare or, or plan or think about it, put a lot of thought into it before they pull that trigger. Um, I had been a stay-at-home mom for probably about three years. I was working on my PhD at the time, and I was working part-time. I was teaching at a local community college. So financially, I was not really in a position That's right. to get a divorce. Right. Right. Because my ex-husband was the breadwinner right. um, for those those three um, three years, so I did have to implement a plan. I had to find a job first with benefits to make sure yes. that I would be able to take care um, of my children. How important is it for one to sit down and map out? that type of plan or strategy before they trans make a transition. It's huge. It, it's huge. And, you know, make no mistake, there is such a thing as divorce planning. Mm -hmm. Now it doesn't have to be uh, the negative connotation that many people often align with it, right? So a lot of times when you hear about, oh, divorce planning, it has a real negative sense to it. But here's the thing. So you identified for yourself 
I've been a stay-at-home mom for the last three years. When I get divorced, what's that going to look like for me? And I'm not even just talking about, you know, being able to pay bills, health insurance. Mm -hmm. I won't be covered under my spouse's health insurance. If I'm, you know, here I was a stay-at-home, so I was covered by him what am I going to do when it comes to a house? What am I going to do when it comes to having, you know, money to the extent that support doesn't kick in right away or whatever it is, those things require planning. I say to people all the time, it doesn't hurt. Do your research and make a plan. Nobody is saying go to go out and you have to find, you know, the best job ever, but you should have a plan. Mm -hmm. Let me get my resume, you know, in place. Let me start networking and, and connecting with people in the industry of which I I'm comfortable in. Mm -hmm. Let me start kind of putting some things in place. Let's look at, okay, is there after school care at the kid's school? Those things that are really going to make a difference that's a part of divorce planning and preparation. The same with looking, what are the rentals in my area? If we are to get divorced, most people you know, often say, well, I wanna keep the house. Mm -hmm. Here's what I say about that. You don't wanna find yourself house poor. Yeah. Going from one family unit to two will disrupt in some way finances. Therefore, you want to be smart about, can I really afford not just the mortgage, but the insurance, the maintenance, the repairs, the property taxes, because all of those things come with the house, mm -hmm. right? So those things I think you do, you have to prepare, you have to research. The other thing, if you're really considering a divorce, interview lawyers. This is a really intimate space to be in. And, and so coming into the the reality of i'm getting a divorce you want to be able to connect with somebody who you believe will be your mouthpiece in the way that you need them to be but what i caution people all the time is what you don't want to do is to find yourself in a situation where you say to yourself, well, I want the most aggressive, angry divorce attorney out there because there's plenty of them and they will gladly argue anything and everything to your blue in the face. But that comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean the financial because that comes too. But if the goal is to argue everything, you have to know that that's going to be arguing everything. So you have to find somebody who you feel like they hear me, they know how to turn up the heat when needed, they know how to turn it down when needed, they also know how to give me real talk, right? You don't need a yes man, because a yes man is going to tell you yes, knowing that that's just never going to work. Mm -hmm. And that again, now you're talking about money. So homework, homework, homework. If you're looking at moving, start looking at rentals. If you're not been working, start resume building, connecting, getting on LinkedIn, those type of things, and then interviewing lawyers. Those things are all really important. 
Well, I will say that you came highly recommended, which I mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, I'm fortunate enough to have friends who are attorneys and who have been in the field. And so with everything, doctors, what have you, I call my friends and I say, hey, you know how, how I am. So can you <laughs> find me the right person? person. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I will say that when I was going through the process, I mean, we, I remember we had our consultation, I laid everything out for you and you didn't sugarcoat anything, which I really appreciated because I needed to know what to expect going in. Um, So there weren't any surprises per se. I mean, there were a few, but. Right, of course, of course. (laughs) But I think that our initial consultation where you outlined what I should expect and what could happen, um, that helped because I didn't get to the stage of the divorce process saying, well, Kimberly, I thought you said, right. you know, this was going to happen or this would be over by this time. And, and for anyone who has experienced a divorce, things don't always go as you plan. That's right. And sometimes it could take a lot longer, That's right. you know, depending on what the situation is. So certainly interviewing an attorney and making sure that you're on the same page and that you connect, I think is very important because, um, you know, your, your future. Depends on it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But I think it's important to set expectations too for mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and so it doesn't help anyone to say, oh, well, you know, we'll get you divorced tomorrow. That's just not happening, yeah. right? It just, um, even the, what I will call kind of the quick divorces, which really are, we agree on everything. We're going to walk away. We're going to, you, you're talking about, it's not a two-day process. Right. But being unrealistic and setting someone up for that doesn't do anybody any good. So yes, it's really important. And I would say for someone who's in the process of kind of interviewing, lean on your friends and talk to them. And I know it's hard to kind of open up and share and say, hey, I'm look, you know, having some issues uh, in the marriage. I really want to talk to a divorce attorney. But maybe that's the way to get to the right person because they know you. And you mentioned, you know, you had friends who, whether or not they've been through this process before, they know you. And so having them say, well, you know, hey, maybe you should talk to this person, or maybe you should talk to that person. Don't ever be afraid to, to do that. The other thing I would say, don't be afraid to, when you meet with a lawyer, to ask them for a referral. And maybe you would just say to them, you know, thank you for meeting with me. But if I were your sister and you couldn't represent me, who would you send them to? Because what you want people to get in the frame of mind is that person that you hold so close. So whether your mother, your sister, your best friend, you want to make sure that they're taken care of. So who, who are you sending them to and let them give you a name. And I would say, if they say to you, I don't have anybody's names, I would just represent them myself. That's a red flag 
because even the best lawyers, and I've worked with some excellent lawyers, mm-hmm. can say, oh, you know what? I would send them to so-and-so. If, if I couldn't do it myself, here's where I'm. So anybody who is has the ego of saying, oh, well, it would only ever be me and are really serious about it, I would say that's a red flag. Mm, that's you great, always should have another referral. Great tip. Um, so let's kind of... Um, delve into you you made reference to sometimes you know people have this uh, unrealistic view of a quick divorce yes and I have had several people over the years ask me tons of questions (laughs) about the process and then um they'll say and I and I will say to them you have to anticipate that you're going to spend money you know (laughs) you may very well run through the retainer. (laughs) So that's one thing that you should be prepared for. Um, But I've heard of several people um, who have decided, well, I don't want to spend that type of money. I'll just go through the process myself. We'll file the paperwork and, you know, do it ourselves. And that may sound or great, you know, when you're thinking about the financial aspects, but what are some of the drawbacks to not having legal representation when you're going through a divorce and when you try to go through this process on your own? Sure, sure. And, you know, I will say that most people who fall in that category tend to be professionals. Mm because their thought is I'm smart enough to figure this out. We don't have that much. I, or, or, mm-hmm. you know, we've got stuff that you keep that and I'll keep that. And okay. So here's what I say to that. A lawyer is a professional for a reason, the same as a doctor. WebMD is not a substitute for true medical advice. Legal Zoom and doing it yourself pro se is not the way that you want to go truly in a divorce. And the reason comes down to the devil is in the details, especially in a divorce. It's not just about completing the paperwork because certainly anybody can fill out the form, uh, the petition for dissolution of marriage or the form that's the judgment. But when we look at on parenting matters, when we look at, okay, who's making the decisions on behalf of the children, both the major and the Mm day-to-day? What happens when we don't agree? Who's dealing with the schedule? Who's dealing with pickup and drop off? What do holidays look like? So at a high level, people are thinking, oh, well, you take this holiday and I'll take that holiday and we'll call it a day. But what they oftentimes miss are the pickup and drop off times. What they often miss are the notice requirements for travel out of state. Mm What they often miss are significant others or new girlfriend or boyfriend sleeping at the house when the kids are there. The devil is in the details. And I will tell you, that's how people end up in court after the divorce. 
because it's all the little things that become big things. Mm -hmm. So at a minimum, I would say, if your thought is, we have agreed to 90% of everything and we are not interested in fighting it out, two recommendations I have for you. The first would be reach out to a mediator. That's someone like myself who is a neutral, who can say to you, okay, tell me what the issues are and tell me what agreements you have reached. And then I, as a neutral, I don't advocate for one or the other, can say, well, what are we doing about aftercare cost? What are we doing about the child's birthday? What are we, because again, as someone who has practiced in this area, I know the nuances and I know what gets people back to court. And because I don't represent one or the other, I don't have any skin in the game. Mm -hmm. It's really about helping people bridge the gap and making sure that all of the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. So that would be one recommendation. The second would be to talk to a lawyer and say, you know, uh, my spouse and I have, I think, reached some agreements and we've written up some things. Will you, you know, take a look at what we have done and let me know if I'm missing something. And there's a good chance that the lawyer will say, okay, well, first let's make sure it's written down, right? Because oral agreements don't count. Let's just be very clear. They need to be written. But second, the lawyer can say to you, well, actually that was the law three years ago. And your Google search has sent you down, you know, a path that really isn't where we are anymore. Family law changes more than people think. And so you wanna make sure that whatever you're agreeing to is still what we call kind of good law. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason that's important is because not that it's gonna be quote illegal, but it's the issue will be enforce, enforcement. And enforcement is what's huge after the divorce. So. I caution anyone who says, let me save some money on the front end in doing it myself, because I can promise you it's going to cost you more on the back end. You're better to go ahead and spend the money now and to get it done right the first time than trying to enforce something that wasn't well done the the first go round. When um, clients seek you out for um, mediation, have they typically, you know, agreed that you are going to be the person who serves as their mediator? Does one person reach out to you? I'm just, you know, all sorts of thoughts are going through my mind because I'm thinking about how this entire process can be where one person is at one stage and the other, you know, person is at another. Um, Since you are a neutral party, I guess my question is, how do your clients decide, you know, on me? Yeah, on you. (laughs) (laughs) So it happens a couple ways, right? So um, in Illinois, let me just say this, if you're going through the process of divorce and you have children, mm-hmm. mediation is mandatory for all parenting matters. And, and that um, changed several years ago because judges really 
wanted parents to make the decisions on behalf of their children. And they really wanted to put that back in the hands of, of parents where it should be. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of then set in motion a few things. You can very well go to court and the court can refer you to mediation, mm -hmm. okay? I'm a private mediator, meaning that I don't work for this state. And so uh, there are several counties that have kind of public referral services that in some cases a judge will uh, recommend. Separately, a judge can also say, I'm going to refer you to private mediation. And all that just means is that it comes at a, you know, at a cost. Mm -hmm. And so you don't then have a choice. Cause if the judge says, you know, I'm referring you to, you know, Kimberly Cook with dovetail conflict resolution, there you go. Okay. I've also had lawyers who say, you know what? We have a new case that came in. This couple would be great for mediation. We're gonna refer them to you. I do both attorney and non-attorney assisted. So you could very well have a lawyer and your lawyer can send you to mediation to resolve the parenting and the financial, mm -hmm. or they assist you during the mediation process. And really what that looks like is all of us are together, your lawyer, your spouse's lawyer, um, and they kind of help kind of bridge the gap because I can't give legal advice. And so there may be times when it really kind of moves to that level. That's usually what you find in kind of complex financial matters. Yeah. And then the third one is really just individuals who are really at the space of saying, you know, I, I we know we want to get divorced. We know, though, that we want to really be in the driver's seat for the outcome. So we're not looking to have the judge weigh in on our child-related issues or our finances, but we don't have the ability, at least at this stage, to communicate in a way that is going to get us to bridge that gap. So we need somebody else to do it or to help us do that. And then they they find someone like me, a mediator who stands in that space of saying, how do we bridge the gap? And once we work through all of those issues, I then write up what's called a memorandum of understanding. Mm -hmm. You then take that to your lawyer if you're represented and if you're not, you can then take that and then you file the uh, official kind of documents, depending on if it's parenting or financial with the court. Okay. So that's really kind of how people use me in that, in that way. Now, all mediators are not former lawyers. Um, I would say though, it's depending on what your issues are, you certainly are going to want to know whether or not what their background is, whether it's a lawyer, whether it's a therapist, mm -hmm. whether it's a financial, um, because that that certainly makes a difference. I am really happy actually to hear my divorce was years ago, <laughs> but I'm happy to hear that mediation is now mandatory in the state of Illinois because I I had no idea at least That's right. the time that I was going through my divorce, it was not. And 
I would probably say that had we been mandated to go through mediation, the co-parenting space between my ex-husband and I would have probably looked a lot different. Yes. Um, I think I can say, it's safe for me. I can say this is my show. (laughs) (laughs) But um, when when my ex-husband, it was actually my ex-husband who asked me if I wanted a divorce. Okay. And I said, yes, I do. Yes. Because at that time, I, I think we had been married 11, 10 years, maybe at that point, okay. but there were so many holes in our marriage, like over the years, yeah. it was like, we were probably on life support for years. Sure. And I do recall at that point saying that the only reason that I am still married to you right now is because we have three children and I want them to grow up in a home with two parents because that's what I had. Sure. However, I had the good sense to recognize that at the end of the day, I was doing my children a disservice Yes. by remaining in a marriage that was not healthy for me. Yes. And clearly we were not showing our children the best representation of what a married couple looks looks like. And I have told this story before, but um, my daughter uh, who was eight, yeah, she was eight at the time, said to me, I I just remember we were all in, in my bathroom and my bathroom was pretty huge. So I'm going to say I missed my bathroom and I missed the closet. <laughs> <laughs> I had to downsize after the divorce. But so we were in the bathroom and I was just bawling, just crying. And I remember her saying to me, I don't want to be a statistic, but if divorcing daddy means that you'll stop crying, then get a divorce. So here my eight-year-old is giving me permission Yes, because I felt like I'm doing this for my children. I'm staying in this marriage for my children, but children see everything. Even when you think you're trying to hide it or you're, they're not when, yeah, you're not exactly, you know, so many, and, and I'll say this in my years of practice, I would have, and it it was mostly women. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm who would come in to meet for a consult. And the first thing they would say, I'm not sure that I actually want to do this because I want to stay for the kids. And in my early years, I wouldn't say anything. And I would just say, okay, okay. And then I started to say to myself, I'm doing a disservice to these people Mm -hmm. because whether or not they retain me, I need to speak up because that's why they're here. And if I don't say it, no one else is. Mm -hmm. But here's the reality. You are not doing a disservice to your children by staying in an unhealthy and unhappy relationship. Children see things, they feel things, and they understand and internalize a lot more than we give them credit for. Yeah. And so what I often say to people when they would respond, well, I'm staying, you know, Um, for my children, what I would say is, what are you showing them then? Mm -hmm. 
what are what are they seeing not just as to relationship but what are they seeing as to how you value yourself and how relationships should be do you want your daughter to grow up thinking this is what it means to be in a marriage this is what it looks like mm -hmm. do you want your son to be in a situation where he is saying to himself well i saw my mom treated this way so it must be okay mm -hmm. she stuck with it it must have been fine there's a reason they say to you on an airplane put your oxygen mask on first even before your children you have to breathe and if you're in a relationship and you can't breathe then you're not doing anybody else any good. So no, it is, you're not saving them from anything. You really, and, and, and I get it, it's a hard, it's a hard place to be. Yeah. And so it, it's not a light decision, but it's one that you do, you have to be able to say, okay, I've got to make this change and I've got to make this change for them. I'll circle back really quickly to your point about the co-parenting space and mediation. And that's a huge reason, honestly, why uh, when I transitioned from, from litigation to mediation, mm -hmm. because to me, it's really about the impact going forward. So when you're in mediation and you are forced with your soon to be ex-spouse mm -hmm. to communicate and problem solve to come to an agreement, you're putting things in place, tools in place, agreements in place that are not then dictated by a court, kind of this is what's gonna work for everybody. We can be creative in problem solving. And what happens is on a going forward, people are more likely to adhere to those agreements because they had a hand in what it looks like. Mm -hmm. You also are more realistic in the process. So when people say, well, you know, I want 50-50 parenting time. And I'm like, okay, that's great. What is your work schedule? Yeah. How are you gonna manage pick up and drop off? Who's gonna be the person that can get to the school during your week when you travel three days a week, let's work this out. Let's talk this through. And maybe 50-50 works, but maybe it's, oh, hey, let's do something else. So yes, I, I think that when the legislature listened to the courts and lawyers who have been practicing and saying, put this back on parents to problem solve and to try to figure this out in the mediation process, it was huge doesn't mean mediation in every case works. It's not a magic bullet. It does take real work. But in those cases where you do work it out, the lasting result is much better than litigation. Absolutely. Well, um, fortunately, I don't have to go through that. But yeah, <laughs> that's right. You're, you're already done. I'm already done. I'm almost at the end of the tunnel as far as, yes. uh, as far as, you know, having teenagers, two will be out of the house next year in college. So one more um, remaining. Um, let me ask you before we kind of wind down a bit, um, 
I I think we're it's I think we're in the same age category. I think. I think yeah, I think okay. so. Um, and you know, with the divorce rate being as high as it is now, one thing that I realized um, when I was going through my divorce is clearly we are not our parents. That's right. So baby boomers, you know more than likely they're still together divorce the divorce rates clearly were not as high as they are right. now and i know that with your practice even as a former litigator and now as a mediator you know one of your areas of focus is to help people i won't well I'm going to say to remind women in particular, yes. right? Yes. To take back their power because yeah. I think that um, there's def definitely a generational shift in the thinking. You know, our generation, we are the type that if things are not working out and if it no longer serves us, then we know That's how right. to find the exit door. That's right. Whereas um, our parents, not so much. They, you know, remained in marriages because maybe they didn't feel like they had the power to leave. Right. Um, for those women who may be, um, who may feel powerless right now, yeah. what advice or what words of encouragement or wisdom can you give them to help them kind of um, reclaim the power in their lives. So the big difference between our parents' generation and ours, we have options. Mm -hmm. We have options because of the work that they put in for us. We can live wherever we want. We can go into any store. We can get any job that we want. That also translates to we can have the type of marriage that we want. And so don't let that option and the hard work that was put in by our parents and grandparents truly go to waste. And I say that because there's nobody on their wedding day who thinks that they are going to get a divorce. Nobody. But things happen. And saying to yourself, I gave it all that I could. And on the day I got married, I meant those vows. But where we are now is not healthy for me. And healthy meaning I'm unhappy. Mm -hmm. I, I mentally, physically, emotionally drained. I can't live like this on a going forward. And think about it in the way that we think about our jobs. Enough already. Yeah. I, I can't stay with this micromanaged boss or, you know, why am I shrinking myself for this position when I know that I should be at a different level? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing in a marriage. A marriage takes two people to make it work. And if your thought is, well, I'm the one who's making it work all of the time, that's not okay. 
I'm not saying it has to be 50-50 all the time. I'm saying that some weeks it should be 80-20. Other weeks it might be 50-50, but there should be ebb and flow. But realistically, it really, you have to say to yourself, is this what I imagined the day we got married? Nobody's marriage is perfect by any means. But if you, if your true answer to yourself is absolutely not, then I would say that now is the time to take the next step. There are so many of us out here now who are, you know, divorced and thriving mm -hmm. because we're happy and we're healthy. And many who have, you know, gone on and remarried and are happy and healthy. So it's not the end all be all. So take, take ownership of your life again so that you can really move forward and, and live your true best life. You know, when I... Um... When my divorce was finalized and it was yeah. official, <sighs> geez, just the thought of that entire process. It's um, a lot. It was, it was yeah. a lot. Um, I remember as much as I agonized because I agonized for years, yeah. at least five to six years before even filing or what have you. Yes. Um, and I just remember I didn't want the stigma of being a single parent. Right. And then I remember, you know, I had a friend and I, and I don't think she meant anything negative by it, but I certainly took it this way. And I remember I was at an event and she introduced me to some other people, her colleagues. And she said, this is my friend, a Dr. Muhammad, and she's a single mom of three. And I thought, why? She why? why would you say that? As a single mom of three. Yeah. But what I, and I asked her about it and she said, you know, I just don't know how you do it. Like you are a professional woman. Your children are in all of these activities. Every time I see you, you're taking them here and there and everywhere. And I'm just in awe of how you're able to do this. And here I am. I have a husband who helps <laughs> with the children, but I can't do half of what you're doing. So I had to really think about how other people see me, whereas I thought that that was um, a stigma that she was placing on me. But I do recall that I would correct people and say that I'm a divorced mom of yeah. three, yeah. but there certainly is a stigma, you know, for being divorced and how, I don't know how we got to that point, but. But you know what, let me say this, that has a lot to do with a cultural significance. Mm -hmm. And in the black community, being a single parent comes with it many times connotations that we struggle with, mm -hmm. right? And so, because there's stereotypical what it means to be a black single parent, right. okay? And and so it, it, I think there's on some level it becomes, well, I'm not that, mm -hmm. right? But then we have to ask ourselves, well, what is that, right? right? But that, so that attachment of, I don't want to be stigmatized. I don't want my kids to be stigmatized. I don't want, 
you know, to your daughter's point earlier, you know, to be a statistic or, but here's what we miss in all of that. Your colleague was actually saying she is, you know, the bee's knees here. She's got three great kids. She is killing it professionally and she's doing it on her own, but we don't, we don't hear that in those spaces, right? We immediately go to the stereotypical, like I'm, you know, struggling and I don't have help. And I, because I'll be honest, there are many couples right now who are married in name and one person is doing everything. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes, if you remember, and I'm going to age myself, <laughs> the, the old song that was like cheaper to keeper, yeah. right? And, and people would always be like, well, you stay in these marriages because if you get divorced... It's that same thought process, which is, well, first of all, I can do bad all by myself. There's another one aging myself, mm-hmm. but it's actually like, wait a minute. I am killing it. I am doing all the things and I have great kids. So frankly, while it would have been wonderful to stay in this marriage, if it were productive and healthy for me, mm-hmm. it's not working. So I'm out Yeah, and I can be okay. But it, it, there's, there is a stigma aligned to that. On a personal note, I will say, you know, I'm married. I've been married for a while. Mm -hmm. The children and I were just out um, about a week ago Mm -hmm. and I didn't have on, which I actually don't have on right now, my wedding ring. And I had this moment of, I don't want anybody to think that I've got these kids. And then I had to stop and say to myself, and so what if they do? And that's what we have to do for ourselves. So what? You're not paying my mortgage. You're not paying for them to eat, sleep, mm-hmm. and be entertained. So why do we care? So we have to we have to rise above the stigma of the single parent and making that the reason we stay in unhappy marriages. Great point. <laughs> great, great point. Um, <laughs> there, there are so many other things that I could say could ask you, but that means that we have to come back again and have a conversation um, because I've got plenty more that I want to ask you, but I want to be respectful of your time. So I do appreciate you taking the time to, you know, talk to me today. Um, One thing that we definitely need to share with the audience is how they can get in contact with you if they need to become a client of Dovetail Conflict Resolution. Yes, yes, yes. So thank you. Let me just say, I will come and chat anytime. This is, you know, clearly one of my favorite things to talk about, but um, and I'm always happy to, to share um, with anyone and anyone, you know, everyone who will listen. So Dovetail Conflict Resolution is my mediation firm. I also do prenuptial and postnuptial agreements. Those are key. So certainly that's what we could talk about the next time I come on. Absolutely. (laughs) Because I may want to get married again. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So we need to talk about that. We do. We got to talk about these things. But uh, yes, you can go to my website, which is dovetailcr.com. And I'm also on Instagram at dovetailresolution as well as on LinkedIn, which is under Kimberly Johnson Cook. Perfect. I didn't, you know, shame on me because I didn't put in the plug that you're a Spellman graduate. 
Shame on me for Shame not on you that for- in the beginning. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. <laughs> and you know what? I, yes. And I have on my light blue for Spellman. And uh, I can share that I'm 20 years this year out of, uh, of Spellman. And I cannot believe it. But yes. Well, Spelman is number one on Aaliyah's list oh, of institutions. So she fell in love. Yeah, we, um, well, we've been taking college tours since, I don't know, they probably were in junior high, but now oh. this summer they'll be applying to colleges and Spelman is on her list. I love it. However, we've got to get her brother to want to apply to Morehouse. Oh. <laughs> Well, listen, I am, we could do a show about HBCUs because I'm an HBCU fan. My husband is a Morehouse guy and he's also a Howard Law um, alum. We, we are HBCU folks through and through. Okay. And that's, so I will just say every school on their list is an HBCU. I love it. They, and I'm excited about that. Um, yes. They will apply to the University of Illinois because I am an alum and an employee. So there is that 50% tuition. Waiver. So there's that. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> but if I have it my way fully in, I'm 100% in support of all of my children attending an HBCU. Yes. Um, Howard is also on the list. Yes. Yeah, so it's number one for my son. All right. Um, so, but I have some stipulations there. They've got to be in the same. Oh, well, I, yes, because you have two going. I hear you, but I, you know, I love that um, your family is supportive of HBCUs. I really think that, that um, it's so important. Um, and, you know, I, I truly, I'm a product of, and a proud product of, of HBCU. And so I wish them the best. That's, that's fantastic. I'll keep you posted on that because this summer we are going to be very, very busy. Yes. Um, One thing that I also didn't mention, um, folks can also listen to your podcast because you, oh my goodness, one weekend I just binged on the um, on the episodes. I said, I wish Kimberly was doing this when I was going through my divorce, but um, Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Yes. So um, folks can find you obviously on uh, Apple, right? Spotify. Yes. Apple and Spotify, Podbeam, and new episodes will be coming out shortly. It is Grown Girl Divorce, and it really is conversations between girlfriends who have the education and experience to talk about all things premarital, going through a divorce, post-marriage. And it's really, I, I it's it's a labor of love for me because these are conversations that we're not having as girlfriends and we really need to be. And so um, I want to be able to share again in a way that, uh, that women feel comfortable mm-hmm. and get the information that they need. But so thank you for bringing up grown girl divorce. Yes. So I just, I love, I love this side of you. I love the litigator side of you. I love this side of you too. (laughs) Since I'm on the other side. But thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to connecting again with you very, very soon. Yes. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, you know, if you are in need of services, you can find Kimberly Cook on Instagram and also her her website, website, I'm sorry, Dovetail cr.com. So thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode of Light It Up. And always 
Don't forget to continue to light it up and shine bright like a diamond. Thanks for joining me this week on Light It Up. Make sure you visit my website at www.lightituppodcast.com or www.ajinamohammed.com. You can also find me on social media using the handle at Light It Up Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or you can simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next time, light it up and shine bright like a diamond.